0: Boca everybody. <laughs> Boca Tov, Today's daf is We are, if we are able to, <laughs> if we are able to keep to the pace, we will finish the first parak today. So we pick up at the bottom of Lamater Macbeth After all of these mishnayot categorizing mitzvot, we had a mishnah that says kol. The thing was kol and mitzvah, and there was a little bit about aret and chutz aret. So then we had anybody who does a mitzvah is no to aret, which means it gets olam haba, but also reach the rewards in this world. Okay, and the Gemara dealt with that in contrast to the Mishnah and that says only a specific set of Mitzvot do you reap the reward in this world and came up with interesting ways of framing it about somebody who has exactly 50-50 Mitzvot and and so on taking a little bit of the power out of the Mishnah but then we dealt with the bigger question which is you really reap the rewards of Mitzvot in this world um, and the position because there's a Mishnah that says that you experience the opposite that you could be a, you could have more merits and actually have a tragic life and the reverse more, more you know more sins and actually have a very successful life. So one answer was, well some days will be tragic, some days will be successful, it's the ways that God evens the accounts and pays you back, but ultimately broadly speaking, your life will be in accordance to your deeds, that's the way Tosus read it. Um, but then the Gemara says, no, maybe actually there's a major theological debate here, and this is the position of Rabbi Yaakov who says, and this is the famous phrase of the Gemara, mitzvah Baha'i reward for a mitzvah in this world does not exist. Don't expect to be rewarded for mitzvah in this world. All the promises in the Torah are promises for Olam Haba, that is a Way a fundamental way of dealing with the challenge of Tzadik Verala, Why do the good people suffer? They'll be rewarded in olam haba. The promises of the world are for olam haba, and the and that's as opposed to our mission on the mission peah. That say you actually do get rewarded in this world for at least to some degree for some of the for the mitzvot. Um, and the example the Gemara had that made Rabbi Yaakov articulate this position. Famous example is a kid who's listening to his father and he's going and sending away the mother bird and getting the eggs or getting the chicks, and he's coming back on the left and he falls and he dies. So he did two mitzvot that he's promised long life. And nevertheless, how do you explain this? And, um, and, you know, the Gemara says, well, maybe it never happened. But okay. The point is, we all know such a thing could happen. And as the Gemara says, maybe. maybe the Gemara says that Rabbi Yaakov actually did experience it. I would more say that we all know in our heart of hearts that such a thing could very realistically happen. How would you explain it? So obviously, we have to say, take our experience of the real world and say that the promises of the Torah are really for Olam haba. That is is Rabbi Yaakov's position okay now the Gemara is sort of um, going to continue with that so let's take a look um, at the Gemara the Gemara says like this now by the way, the Shah says that that idea of Rabbi Yaakov can work for broadly d- based promises like the harach Yamin Leman tavlach. But what do you do with all the brachos and the Kwalos in the Torah, which are very concrete and specific? Mm-hmm. You can't explain Yakach Hashem B'shchinu or whatever is Olam Haba, right? So what do you do with that? So the Marashah says, no, those are promises for when the entire tzibor as a people, you know, are meritorious or are sinful. Then those then those promises actually will happen, um, but it's not true at the pri- at the personal and private level. Yes, so, right. So the challenge of scarva of, of tzadik v'ralo is much is really much more pronounced at the individual level, not at the communal level. Of course, you know, questions at the communal level also have come up when there have been communal tragedies. You know, and most, of course, recently, of course, the Holocaust. I and mean, how do you explain that in any context of scarva onus? But anyway, it's important right. that the musha we are not having a discussion right now about theology of the Halakha's but the marshal at least tries to situate the nature of the discussion in the Gemara let's take a look now as the Gemara says Um, so the Gemara says like this Um, so the Gemara says okay uh, one minute uh, okay, Vahama Rebbe Lezer, first of the middle-sized lines. End of the line. V'hama Rebbe Lezer. Doesn't Rebbe Lezer say sheluche mitzah Zokin. People that are going to do a mitzah are not injured in their way. So it's like funny. Well, we answered the Torah. The Torah is talking about olam haba. Okay, but Rebbe Yitzchok says in the olam hazeh type of a way that they're not in, that they're not injured. So how do you explain what happened to this kid? Right. So we have to. So uh, so the says. Right. Chassam, you got to love it. Like okay, we explained away all of the promises in the Torah, but now we have a statement that clearly was meant in a very practical way, you're not injured in this world, and so how does that work in with this theology, and with, or with our experience of reality? So the Gemara says, No, 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 there it's different, because there he wasn't doing the mitzvah with the case of the kids sending away the mother bird, it, um, it was, um, he was actually in the process of returning from the mitzvah, going to and returning is different than doing the mitzvah. the so Gemara says, Rebbe Lezer, Lob Ali lo but no, he explicitly says that if you're doing a mitzvah, you're not injured on your way there and on your way back, even on your way there and on your way back, so how do you explain what happened so the one says, sulam re'u no, 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 the, the ladder was a shaky ladder, the tzviyah and therefore when there's a fixed sort of risk, danger there, then doing a mitzvah saves you from, you know normal mishaps, saves you from things that are unwarranted tragedies unexpected, it doesn't protect you, you know, in terms of when you're really uh, you know engage, when, when what you're doing is actually risky. very and it, risky and it's very you know in you know it's, it's, it, right risky on its own terms. So you will not be protected by a niece if there's a fixed uh, risk. And danger. How will I go and Shaul here and he will, you know, to anoint David as king, Shaul will hear and he will kill me. So why didn't God say, well, you're a Shluchay Mitzvah? God should have quoted Rebbe Yitzchak. So the point is, is that, Rebbe Lezer, excuse me, not Rebbe Yitzchak, Rebbe Lezer. The point is, no, Kfiyeh Zechai Shani. So what Rebbe Lezer is saying is, is that doing a mitzvah will protect you enough that un, unexpected bad things won't happen to you. But if there's actual risks there, it's not going to create miracles to protect you from objective risks. Now, of course, what you could also say about that is, um, you know, is. Uh that um now i forgot what i was going to say uh yes michael what were you going to say well i have a question on that because i remember that other gemara it says moral is clearly afraid of shol. yeah it's a good question you presumably you would also say you know i don't know it's a good question uh, but i don't know it doesn't mean that you can be you know unrealistic about the real risks um i mean there's a difference about being fearful of you know and just taking necessary precautions but anyway i'm not afraid i just I have to be, I have to take the necessary precautions. I'm not stupid either, right? So anyway, but that's uh, a good question. But anyway, no, what I was going to say is, is, is that, you know, it's interesting that once the Gemara asserts this, then that's also an answer to how did the guy fall down from the left, and the Torah promised you long life. The Torah's promise of long life is not when you're negligent and take, and take, you know, and take, uh, and take, uh, you know, un, you know uh, undeserved risks. Right, well, you can't say, "Well, the Torah promises me long life." I'm going to go ahead and uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, jump from without skydive without a parachute, right, or whatever. Do anything that's uh, undoubtedly risky, right? And there's also a, not only is it that it requires a miracle to save you there because it's a high risk, but there's also a sense of negligence, you know, and that you and that you know, you exposed yourself to that risk. So it's interesting <laughs> that once the Gemara searched that, obviously, it takes some of the punch out of the need for the other statement. But anyway, moving on, the Gemara says like this: I'm have Joseph. If the Dorsha darsha High K'raq Rav Barbarta, Barbarte lo had Achir Elisha ben Avuya known how to interpret this pasuk like Rav Yaakov Barbarte, right? He would not have sinned, okay? Because he's basically the son of his daughter. Nah, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I think that's just that was just. Um, it just said Rav Yaakov Omer. Before it just said Rav Yaakov. Rav Yaakov Omer. Yeah. So you related to him? That is a good point. Um, that is a good point. Um, I didn't pick up on that. I didn't pick up on that. You do? Do, do your notes say anything about that? Rabbi Yaakov, son of his daughter, was um, Son of the daughters of Acher? He doesn't. Okay, I don't know. That's I didn't pick up on that. Anyway, Lo, you could take a look. Lo, Khatahi he would not have sinned. Because basically he's saying that this is a way of you know attributing, although Achir's apostasy is attributed to different things, right? In the famous discussion in Khagiga um, it's attributed to Niktaf uh, Lepardes and what he sort of saw up in heaven, but you know, but here it's attributing, obviously it's attributing to the fact that he was, he had some theological, cha- things that were theologically challenging that did not, that, that forced him to commit apostasy and that forced him to, to reject the faith. So, you know, so you could try to be sort of say both are true, like he saw this vision and then it was reinforced by an experience he had in the real world where it seemed like there was no justice in the real world With the reverse. He had this experience and that laid seeds of doubt and then he had this vision but it's a different way of dealing with what led to his apostasy and he basically is saying what led to his apostasy was that he saw the promises of the Torah blatantly contradicted in the real world and he did not know how to interpret this you know, he, he either didn't know how to or was not satisfied with this way of reinterpreting the verse. So the Mark says v'achemaihu, um Igadami, um, what was this? What did Acher see? Some say Ki Chaza. He saw exactly this case: a kid being sent by the father, etc. The Igadami listen to Chaza. No, he saw the tongue of one of the people that was martyred in the time of you know uh, what's it called um, uh, Hadrian. David um, Gari uh, that a pig was dragging it and through like you know the dung heaps. So Amar and he said Ah, <laughs> oh, that's a good point. I didn't pick up on that. You probably right okay this uh, the, the, this mouth that pearls used to come out of this mouth will now be licking the dust so how could this be where are all of God's promises you know that, that the most righteous and the great people of Torah are treated as this way obviously all those promises were you know are all false and it led him to commit apostasy he went out and he sinned um, okay. you have your hand up Talia? the sense says uh, this means that uh, Rabbi Yaakov was the um, grandson, grandson of, uh, of Acher. The, his, the Acher was his maternal grandfather. Interesting. So maybe that's also like a nice sort of sense of a closure. There it is that his grandchild was a, you know, sort of, was dealt, sort of struggled with the same issue, stayed right? the but stayed in the fold and found a yeah. way to reconcile yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, I just didn't pick up on it. Okay. So now <laughs> the question like this. Rami, okay. So Rami Ravi, Rav, Rav Tumi Barav Kisnella Rava. So Ravi Bar showed a contradiction to Rava. Tanand. Our says mitzvah low, m- low. If you do one mitzvah it's good to you, hasta in low low. Only doing is it good to you, not being passive. Ramini will ask you, We have a Brahza that says if you sit and you just passively don't do an Aveira, no schar, mitzvah, you're rewarded like doing a mitzvah. So all you have to do is stay home all day, stay not in bed, and and read novels, <laughs> and you get all these mitzvahs. Mm-hmm. So the Gemara obviously it demands an explanation. So the Gemara says, I'm no husband go in Shabbat no 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 that doesn't mean you just passively did not choose to do an Avera that means that you were tempted and you found the strength to resist the temptation so the strength of resisting a temptation is not just A you didn't transgress I mean it's a powerful statement it's saying like you know that's the difference between a mitzvah and a mitzvah like a mitzvah is you didn't do anything bad a mitzvah is you did something good so it says you know most of the time that's true like I didn't choose right now to go to the McDonald's and to buy myself a cheeseburger I want to. It was called star. I didn't do anything bad. But if I actually it was tempted and I found the strength to resist, that wasn't just not doing something bad. That counts like a mitzvah. That counts like I actually did something good. Okay, kihad. Now dvar there often very much also has a sexual connotation. So the gemara says kihad rav bar Papi tavateh like the story of Rav Hanina bar Papi Tavate like ha'im a certain matron, a Roman woman, sort of a proposition to him for sex. Mm-hmm. Amar milso he and it was obviously there was a power diff- differential there. On her side. So he, you know, it was hard for him to resist or whatever. So Amrin Milsa, he said some word, some, like, you know, mystical word. Umali nafshe shichna, and his body was filled with, like, uh, boils and blisters. So he was repugnant. So she would leave him alone. he Milsa, itzi, but he also knew, knew uh, these uh, powerful mystical words. So she did something and he got healed. So what was he going to do now? Arak Tashabahu he went and he, and he hid in a certain bathhouse. The Chiyami in betraying a few of the mama have mitsuki you might remember this from another story yeah, yeah. so that I write another case about somebody who went to a a bay had somebody lodged in a base medrash yeah. where even if two that was so dangerous there were demons there that even if two people went during the daytime they would be injured so it was a haunted uh, it was a haunted uh, bathhouse okay but he would rather be there than expose himself to this woman um, and the next day the rabbi said to him, "My Natracha, man, who protected you against the Mazikin when you were in that bathhouse. So whether he was just Stom saying this or there was something that appeared like two of the uh, Caesars, uh, you know, uh, like uh, soldiers protected me over the night. They said to him, Maybe you were tempted by a, or at least, you, you, you know, a, by, by something, by a sexual, sort of a, a temptation and you were saved from it anybody that, uh, that the opportunity for sexual sin the temptation for sexual sin is presented and the man, person is able to resist it Osinlo nest is the, a miracle is done to him, and that, of course, is as we know, is exactly what happened. So now we're going to focus on that, on he the knew power. It was, it was there. Right? I don't know if he did or he sounded the next morning. But yeah, I mean, the story is better if he knew and he didn't care because he was willing rather do that than 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 expose himself to temptation. So now we're going to have a couple of stories of getting these sort of inner strength and fortitude to resist temptation. Okay, um, it's quite interesting. One has to acknowledge because you know normally the man is always seen as the initiator the pre- predator, you know, you know, and so on, and um, and here, it's like, it's the, it's the woman who's doing it and the man who's resisting. Um, but I want, yeah, it's true, it's like a Yose story. But one also wonders if it really is playing against the, um, the, uh, the uh, t- against type, because often it's also seen that women are easily, like, you know, sort of seduced, right? And, uh, although sometimes you have men that are easily seduced, that there's a whole story with, uh, with, with what's her name? Isn't that a whole story with Yalta and whatever? I'm I'm no. No, I'm with this. Anyway, whatever. Here it's still right. The men are the ones who are able to withstand sexual temptation and so on. So let's take a look. So the Gemara says like this: people of great valor who do God's words, who, are, who hear the, God's voice, the voice of God's words. Like Rabbi and his colleagues, Rabbi who had the power to resist temptation. Rabbi so Tzedek, a certain matron, Roman woman, um, seduced him. Uh, that might be. Um, I'm a lay, I, I'm, I'm a law. Um, and uh, he said to him, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm weak, my heart is weak, and I don't have the strength to, have, uh, to engage in, sex, in, in sexual relations. Do you have something to eat? So he was doing this basically to like buy time or something. Now Rashi points out again that there was a power differential here, that she was a powerful woman, probably reflected by the word matronisa, and therefore like he might have felt that his life was at risk if he resisted, so he was buying time rather than just saying no. So... Um, Amr um, she said to him, Yeah, we have, some, we have some pork in the house. We have some uh, bacon. So, Amr Le, my the aviha achoha. So, like, what difference does it make? The one who does this. It will eat this, like if I'm, you know, sort of like, so he's sort of like, I guess, you know, sort of bemoaning, it sounds like, you know, his state, that if I'm going to be, have to now have to be, you know, uh, give in to this sin, I'm going to be brought so low that I'm going to actually sin in this other way as well, being forced to eat Chazar and so on. Again, we have the chazer scene. So, Shagrisa Tanura, but anyway, so she said, So I mean, or also maybe he was making a point to her, like he says, oh no, we do have some pork, but you're a Jew, you won't eat pork. And he said, look, if you're, you're now, you're asking me to do the same type of a violation with you it's the same type of yeah. a sin against my God but it is true most people will probably feel there would be more of a violation to eat pork than it would be to you know engage in a forbidden sexual act right <laughs> so he's so she says I'm not sure you want what we have to eat I only have some uh, pork around there so look you know what it's like, it's the same type of a sin. So, you know, trying maybe to have her appreciate, you know, how difficult it was what he was demanding of her. But anyway, but she said, okay, as long as it's the same <laughs> sin, I'll, I'll cook up the pork. So, okay. Um, so the man says, um, <laughs> he lit the oven, um, um, and uh, was putting the pork on the oven, salik, um, in the oven, and he went and he jumped into the oven. So maybe that's also why he said, I might as well have the pork. So he could be able to do this. So he jumped into the oven. He was willing to commit suicide rather than, you know, submit to her. Amr'aleh, she said to him, high, what's going on here? Amrullah, he said to her, Nafil Baha. So this plays off of the, this equals that. He says, and if I do such a sin, sin I will fall into a, a, a fire. I'll, I, you know, I'll get Gehenim. Okay, so, you know, So uh, so therefore... Um, uh, he appreciated like how, you know, how weighty it was for him. On um, she said to him, If I knew that it was so weighty for you, I would have respected it more and I would not have caused you this type of anguish. Well, let's just read the other story. Now that was one story of Rebitaruk. We said Tadok and his friends, his colleagues. So here's the next story. So Revitadok was selling like wicker baskets. A certain woman uh, propositioned him, and also he was in a difficult position to resist. Um, Amala, he said to her, Ezul Ikashit Nafshai, you know what, let me go, uh, let me go, like, make myself look nice. Okay, so he, so he went up to the roof to escape, or, um, to, now, it sounds also like he actually jumped from the roof. Yeah. It says he fell, okay, but he, what, what else was he doing? He didn't, he slipped, he happened to go up to the roof and he slipped. It sounds like that yeah. these rabbis were willing to commit suicide rather than transgress, which raises really important halachic theological questions about, you know, when it's a case of yahag that somebody has not right. saying mm-hmm. that I'll kill you unless you do X but you don't have you don't have any way out of doing X unless you actually take your own life and that was a big thing that came up in the Crusades, yeah, you right. know and the Ashtonazi we shown in felt or at least in hindsight you know rationalized or justified what was done which is by saying that you are allowed to take your own life anyway that certainly but seems to be is the message here in you know is it, is it well, with the one okay so that's an I interesting I Don't qu- one she's married or not right well well the married woman would, in, would be less relevant. There, there is an, an interesting debate in the Rishonim whether it's Rayot sex with a non-Jewish woman, whether that falls into the Rayot category. But to to it is, right. Or, uh, if you read all of this halakhically, yeah. but it seems that part of the way to read this, and that also, you know, gets to the question I raised about Tosos and martyrdom or whatever, is to read this as some type of heroic act. You know, this what makes them so amazing and heroic is that normally this would not be like expected of a normal person, either because it wouldn't technically be Gilearayot or or because it would like me. What do you call it? It would not, you, you don't take your own life regardless, right? But this is, but this is seen as some heroic act. Okay, so he, anyway, there he was, falling from the roof. Also, Leo, and Aliyahu flew in, and caught him in midair. Okay? So, Leo said to him, you made me schlep here, I was 400 miles away. And it's sort of like, you know, it's like an Aladdin type of a thing. You know, you made me fly here. What? Like Superman. Actually. Superman. No, okay. Anyway, you made me fly here to catch, you i me what made what what brought this about to me Lavan Yusa it's because I'm poor. I have to sell wicker baskets and I have all these women coming to my store so that exposed me to this risk you know so don't blame me what what choice did I have so did he said okay and he gave him a basket full of gold coins so you see that he was rewarded now what does this by the way have to do with the pasuk other than gibbere koach could just be good gibbere koach when people actually need to gird strength and they need to, you know, sort of resist and find that inner fortitude. But also, it's interesting, and I, was, and I sort of noticed the fact that the after here says, varo after varo, which is a little ironic. First you listen, then you do. What does it mean you do and then you listen? So, the Marsha says that that's what the Diuk is about and that which is called actually here is God. If osed Varro doing God's word, then God is which is called God hears your, you know, word. And therefore, God comes to save these rabbis who had the fortitude and the, to believe in God and to be willing to risk their lives. That's the way the marshall reads it. You know, I sort of was reading, the way I was reading it was to say, you know, it's not just enough to do, it's to deeply, like hear, to connect deeply to sort of the, you know, the moral and religious imperative. So beyond just the doing. And that gives you the strength, you know, to do these type of heroic things when it's demanded. Okay, now the Gemara goes back. Okay, that was the issue about passive versus active. Sort of doing a, like you know, passive, not resisting, is like an act of a, an act of a mitzvah. But now we get back to reaping their rewards in this world. So let's take a look. Rami lay and Rav Nachman. Rabba showed a contradiction to Rav Nachman. Tanan. Back to the mission Peah. Okay, those now, sides. Sure. Now we're going to give the psukim, it says, So that's why, you see, it's good for you in this world. Okay, reading it, not like Rabbi Yaakov. By Acts of Kindness, it says, So somebody who runs after, you know, righteousness or good deeds and kindness, will find life and righteousness and honor. So that clearly is referring to this word, world. At least, you know, I mean, again, you could interpret all this world to come, but Pshat is this world. Okay, right, right, bring peace one who seeks out peace and and, and runs after it we make so we have all those that show you that if you do these things you get reward in this world <laughs> All right, it is your life and the length of your day so we get why all these things are in the mission Peah. but here's my question that's not an example Exhaustive list. Okay? It says, how about as we saw just yesterday. So listing Namihai, why not list sending away the mother bird? So the Gemara says Yeah, it's an incomplete list. So the master, so he says that Tani Tana It says these are the things. The Atamart year." it's not a complete list. It sounds very much like it is a complete list. So Amarava, Ravidi Asperali, Ravidi explained it to me. Here's what why the list was chosen. It's a particular type of things that are being chosen. And it's based on the following Durasha and the Pasuk. Imut sadiki say to the righteous that it is good that they will eat the fruit of their deeds so that's talking about reaping the fruit of your good deeds in this world but it's focusing on tzaddik kitov, righteous because it is good and this is a very important gemara sort of theologically or religiously that talks about the difference between righteous and good and what it means to be a righteous person and what it means to be okay, a good person righteous person he's good or something about no certainly he is good or his acts are good Okay? So the says, it reads it anyway, it's describing the person. So what type of a righteous person reaps the benefit, the, the merit of their acts, the reward of their acts in this world? Tzadik ki So he says, Tov, Is there a Tzadik tov and a Tzadik to Ella... Tov l'shemein tzaddik tov somebody who is good to god and good to his fellow human being is a tzaddik who is good tov l'shemein v'l'abriot but if somebody is good to god is very good on the ritual mitzvot okay, but is not at all good to his fellow person, fellow man, that is a tzaddik who is not good. Now, which is really sort of labels, right, the idea that what we sort of call, one way to frame this is, of course, ethics and religion. And also, of course, it's exactly the fallacy that people fall into, that they think to be from only translates in the religious realm and not in the moral realm, right? So the Gemara, I don't know whether it's helpful or not helpful this way, because it sort of labels it, but you could say, oh, it labels it so it could still be itself. I'm just not told, but I'm still Tothic. You know, you can sort of read it that way that it legitimates the idea of being able to be Tothic without being told right, But, a but it's, right, it's more recognizing a perception and a phenomenon and calling it out and saying, you know, sort of, sort of saying that there's a real problem. You know, you might sort of be religiously righteous, but fundamentally you're not a good person, and you know, you're morally corrupt. So the point is, which are the righteous that we want to focus on that reap their rewards in this world? The people that are right that their are righteous deeds, and here's how it answers the previous questions we want to focus on righteous deeds that are righteous and good deeds not just righteous deeds so therefore the list of you know the aim and Hibilut Chasadim and that list those were not Shiloh Khan is just doing God's will it's not about interpersonal okay so is it true that you get you reap rewards in this world for sending away the mother bird yes but that wasn't the list we were interested in. We were interested in the list of somebody who is really doing is a tzaddik tov. That's a different category. Now you could say that the person gets so the same. now you could say well I don't know you could say they get more of their rewards they get more dividends or what I would like to say and I said yesterday is that the rewards are not just that God is rewarding you because the tov is that you create goodness in this world and by the way that's another way of reading Tov here is not just morally good but that you actually create goodness in this world so if you're if you're at Sidqus is a Sidqus of goodness in this world then that will actually concretely create a, a better world in which you will reap the rewards of having done those good deeds because of the real people you impact and the realities that you create so the point is are there is there righteous acts that are just between person and God that you get rewarded for this world? Yes, but that's not really the message we're talking about and the point we want to emphasize. We want to emphasize the creating good in this world. The tzadikito. And the end of the drusha is. Um, um, woe to the evil, wicked person. He will be paid back with the, you know, by, you know, by the, uh, by, you know, the uh, accordance, sorry, with his deeds. So, is there a wicked person who's evil? One that isn't evil? Yes. Somebody who is sins against God and against human beings, that is a bad, wicked, uh, wicked person. But if somebody sins against God, but actually is a good person, they're rasha ra. The problem is, you know, you don't have a word like tzaddik, like rasha implies morally bad as well. I'm wondering if the uh, sinful maybe would be a good way of saying it, right? So a sinner, you could have a good sinner, okay? And you could have, I guess, an evil saint, a bad saint, okay? So, Anyway, although we use saint, also some of these words often come in the English language with the moral sense as well. But maybe anyway, that's the sense. You know, a transgressor. You could have a good transgressor because he's good to people, even though he transgresses against God. Okay, I've got to keep on moving. Now we're going on with a Tosesta and Peya that develops this theme, and now contrast. The difference between good deeds and bad deeds. Good deeds are always rewarded in a much higher degree to which bad deeds are punished. Okay, so ye, merit good deeds, yesh keren. You deposit the principal in the bank for olam haba the yesh and you reap the dividends and the rewards of this world. As there are sins yesh keren, is only paid back for the you only get the principal. You only get paid back for the principal the ema peyrot. You don't suffer beyond beyond the what you deserve for your sin. Shineamar, rasha ra ki Right ki excuse me, By the Tadiq it was pre The fruits, the fruits of your labor mean something more than you did. Your your thing bears fruits, bears dividends. The Ru- Russia only gets only gets uh, only gets Paid back but right? for himself, but a kid may be different, right? Alright, I don't want to talk about that. Okay, he only gets paid back a, 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 equal to what he has, he has done. But I have another pasuk that speaks about the fruits by a Russia. They will eat from the fruits of their paths, and from their, you know, uh, scheming or whatever, you know, uh, they, will, they will be sated, but meaning that they'll be paid back not just with the principle, but beyond the principle. This is with a Russia. So the message is, mm-hmm. if the sin brings forth fruit and has a real-world impact beyond just sinning to God, similar to the discussion before about Sadiq Kitov, it's not just a sin, but it actually hurts people and, has a real, and, and creates fruit, you know, or has a ripple effect, then yesh la the person will suffer for the other impact that that sin has had. If it's sort of limited to the sin and doesn't go beyond that, ain la then you only get punished for the sin itself, okay? Now, Rashi also explains, I said of in terms of hurting other people, creating bad in this world, but Rashi also says if a person sins, and that leads other people to sin, like, right? Oh, well, if he didn't keep Shabbos, I don't have to keep Shabbos, okay? But the point is, if it has a this world type of an impact, and that's a nice parallel to the Gemiluz Hasadim, right? When your mitzvahs have a this world positive impact, then you reap a real reward beyond the mitzvah. And when your adveras have a real world negative impact, then you're Reap the, the the punishment beyond just the avera itself. Okay, now it says like this. Goes on, with this comparison about good and bad. A good thoughts God gives you credit as if you did it. They, uh, they are just talking, and God listens and writes it down. And shemo, sort of maybe like he's That means that they're thinking about God's name. Anyway, he gives them credit. So my shemo, and now my emphasize. What does it mean to those who think about God's name? Even just thinking about doing the mitzvah, if you were, if if the opportunity was taken away from you, the you didn't do it. It's like you get credit like you did. And I want to point out that it does say enough it doesn't say you thought about doing a mitzvah and then you thought better of it ok oh I really want to go and into no you know what there's a good movie on today or whatever that's not you don't get credit in that case the credit is you really tried and then somehow so, you know unexpected circumstances made it impossible but you really did try then you get credit Okay. a bad thought plan not to thought plan God does not make it like you've done it if I see in my heart God won't listen God doesn't punish me for that I will bring evil to this people the fruit of their thoughts okay so the Gemara says like before again take down the fruit of their thoughts if the, if the fruit bears if the thought bears fruit what would it mean for the thought to bear fruit what would that thought evil thought bear fruit it would become an action. Yeah. So if the thought leads to an action, then you get punished for the thought as well. Okay? So, if it produces an action, then you get punished for the thought as well. If it doesn't produce an action, produce an action you don't get punished. To seize B'nai Israel for, in, for the thoughts of their hearts. So that's not that they are punished. No, no, no that's a vodazara. That anybody who rejects a vodazara is like who, who who accepts the entire Torah. Similarly, anybody who believes in Avodah Zarah, like they reject the Torah. So one wonders also, is the point here that it's just so weighty, that it's so taboo, that even to be thinking about it, you deserve to be punished. Like we don't even want people to be thinking about it, it's just so off limits. Or is part of the point, you know, sort of the way the Rambam would have it, it's more about, less about the act of a Zarah, and more about the, the um, you know, fate, the, the heresy of faith. Right, If you're thinking about it, there's a stepping away from God in the very considering of the act. So there's an element of, you know, a vodazor is not just the act. Part of a vodazor is very much the thought that accompanies the act. So what does that thought mean without the act, right? So, um, so it could be that that's part of what's going on here. Um, now, it says like this, U Amar Huna, Here's when you get punished for your, for your, for your plans to sin, even without sinning. Like Rav Huna says. Mm-hmm. If a person does a sin and he repeats it, it becomes, it's permitted to him. Really? It becomes permitted once you've done it twice? It becomes, in your eyes, like it's permissible. So once a person has repeated sinful action, then even the thought is essentially going to be that thought will easily translate into action at this stage because now the person does not feel that the thing is off limits or taboo anymore and therefore the person will get punished just for planning it because it's sort of assumed like the way you know that oh at this stage if you're planning it you're, you're probably going to do it and if you didn't do it as Rashi says it's probably just because you lost it you didn't have the opportunity once somebody has gone to mcdonald's twice right and then he's thinking oh you know what maybe i'll go to mcdonald's today and then he didn't wind up it was probably not for the right Reason that he didn't go. There was probably, ah, uh, you know, he didn't get a chance to go. Or whatever. At that stage, you know, it's sort of like um, we don't give you, you know, we, we don't give you credit for resisting. The fact that you were planning is seen as most likely you will do it, and not doing it is seen as that was a, it was by chance you didn't do it. So you actually, you know, get punished for the, just the thought itself. Um, what? This is for all me thought, as opposed to the ones that we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. He's saying well, normally for bad for planning, Planning to do an aver you don't get punished for, but if you're a repeated offender, then you get you get punished for just the plan because the plan will easily not not a vodizara stum because the plan will easily translate into into action. And the zuchut part before we were saying it was like just specific ones like for you know no zuchut you get any machshavat you get you get credit as long as it was neenas okay. So now that we're talking about sort of sinning. We're talking, and also maybe this plays up before about the Oseh Pri and not osapri. How are other people impacted by your sins? So he says, if somebody has to do an avera, better to do it in private and not cause a chilah hashem. And the idea of not just cause a chilah hashem, the chilah hashem could be a disgrace. Ah, can't believe that a firm Jew is doing this, right? And that they better, better do one avera than two averas. But it could also be that the chilah hashem is that then it's osapri, then it leads to actually impacting other people. Okay, v'atem Beit Yisrael God says, "Go take your idols and worship them." If you you are not listening to me, but do not desecrate my name. If you're going to sin, sin, but don't do it with desecrating my name. Um, And by the way, there also could be playing off the idea of that if it's like a heter, you won't be as sensitive to doing it in public or doing it in private. And here it's trying to say, you know what? If you're going to sin, at least be sensitive to. To these other issues maintain that sensitivity that it is a sin the way it can impact other people at least do it in private. Mm-hmm. Okay, now the funny thing is about that is that you might think as the ones does say that doing it in private creates a sort of you know becomes theological it creates like a hypocrisy mm-hmm. and like as a theological problem. So that's what the Gemara say. I'm Rabbi Laysaki. If somebody sees that well first you we have this other teaching. If somebody sees that the Yeter Hara is having the power over them as opposed to before when we talked about resisting your Yeter Hara. Um, so go to a place that you're not recognized The that they don't recognize you The and dress in black and you know cover yourself in like you know in like mourning clothes or in black clothes and go ahead if you have to sin then you'll sin The but you will not desecrate God's name in public so that he says the fact that they don't recognize and apparently somebody dressed in black people like keep their distance from they assume he's mourning or they assume that they're somehow he's on the margins of society it'll allow you to remain anonymous. Okay, and therefore you'll sin, but you'll sin in an anonymous way, and at least you won't be Machal Shem Shemaim. Now, the Rishonim were deeply bothered by this because it's in a way, it's no different than what we said before. But it is practical advice and practical advice linked with do what your heart desires. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it's giving mm-hmm. license. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, a number of uh Rashi a little bit throws in another point. Hopefully, this through this process and dressing yourself in black and covering yourself in black or whatever, hopefully that'll change what your heart desires. <laughs> your heart, yeah, I know, but it was already in Rashi. Therefore, your heart won't desire it as much but God forbid nobody is giving you license to do it okay but the Pshad is not that way the Pshad is again not that you have license you're still sinning but what we're saying is is that if you're going to sin anyway better to sin in this way of course the problem is is that how do you how do you determine that like maybe if you didn't give me this option and I had to sin in a way that people would see me that would actually stop me from sinning right so like Rev Moshe was once asked a question about I think it was just about a guy going into the movie theater I think at one time I thought it was about a guy Going into a certain type of a movie theater, but I think at rereading the two, it was just about going into a movie theater, which apparently was a sin enough in itself. Anyway, the question was, should I take off my yarmulke or not take off my yarmulke? Right, which is an interesting question. Like, if I take off my yarmulke, I'm not machal shem shemaim, whatever the thing was that was seen as the chilul But then maybe I'll, I'll feel that it'll give me more license to do it again. Right. On the other hand, if I keep my yarmulke on, maybe it'll stop me from doing it, but maybe it'll make me feel comfortable with doing it, even though I'm am presenting myself. You know, so it's. Really really real, real raises very... Uh, I think he's... Uh, I don't know. I don't remember <laughs> what he said. <laughs> I have to go check. Anyway, okay, so... Are you keeping your to keep your connection with the Shem strong or because of what other people think about you. No. Show to other well, 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 right. Well, that was exactly the question. Like how much, yeah, I mean, those were exactly the questions that were being raised. So anyway, so the mind says like this. Amy, um, is this really true? Anybody who does not concerned with God's honor is not deserving of coming into the world. Mahi, and what is that? Rabo Mazem looking directly at the rainbow. That has to do with Kabbalistic issues, which I won't get into. Rav Yosef, you're not, you're, you haven't been learning me for 40 years yet okay if you do a sin in private because then it's showing that you think that God can't see you in private or that what you're demonstrating is, is that you're more concerned with how people perceive you than with how God perceives you so there's a theological problem of sinning in private okay but, it's, but there's a practical reason why it's necessary because whatever that does to your own faith issues or demonstrates at least it protects other people from the bad effect of your sin so so the Gemara says, kasha." So how the, how the for for The difference is, can you get, can, will you have the power to overcome your Yitzhara? If you have the power to overcome your Yitzhara, and you could stop yourself from doing it, and then you're choosing to do it in private, what you're actually doing is then the doing it in private becomes what is the license What's allowing you to sin? Like, I, I have an ability not to do it, but you know what? I'll just go ahead and do it in private. Nobody will see me. So then it sort of demonstrates the fact that you don't think God sees you, you're more concerned with people or whatever. You could stop yourself from doing it. In that case, doing it in private is actually a, it's a, a, a theological sin. That is what is giving you the license. If you know that you can't stop yourself and you're going to do it anyway, then you might as do it in a way that doesn't create as much of a shalom. The question is, most of the time we don't know. And most of the time, the choices that we're making impact whether we are a able to or whether we're going to do it again or so on. Okay, now the grass says like this. Um we start over there. Ain't makif into Khulashem. Achal Shogi Bechad Maze. Whether you're Shogig or Mazid, we are not makif when it comes to Khilashem. What does Makif mean? My Ain Makif and Ammar Azuthain Osin Kichenvani. You don't it doesn't get put on credit. Haqafah's credit. God does a God will punish you immediately for Khil Hashem. Margraid Ravina Amar Lomashin Haisa Shkula Machrat. Now Makifin means Rashi right? says it means like to balance. So if Khilashem is on the balance side, on the negative side of the equation. So if you're then even you're fifty 50-50 but it includes <laughs> Chel That's not 50-50 Then you're then you're in the demerit. Then you're the, then you then you know. So you, so so that does not get balanced out by other things. Okay, <laughs> Tanu Rabbanan. means that there are we don't have to accumulation. Something like that. Tanu So we are once again repeating because we just had the sin about tipping the scales. Fascinating how much the Gemara you uh-huh focuses on this because one would think like you know like whatever anyway we'll talk about it but a person should always see themselves as half uh, half you know sinful and half or half you know uh, uh, deserving of punishment and half meritorious doing one mitzvah praised are you that you tip the scales into the merit you do one sin woe to you you tip the scales into the into the deserving of punishment into, you know, as it says, one sinner or one sin is being read will lose great good. Just one sin you do, you lose all of the good deeds. Yes, because the world is judged based on the majority. And the person is judged based on their majority, the totality. Are they basically a good person or a bad person? Is the world basically deserved Deserving or undeserving. Okay? So, um... So also so sometimes doing just one mitzvah, Ashrav, praise are you, You bring the entire you, you bring you bring yourself and the whole world. Because not only should you see yourself as fifty fifty, you should see the whole world as fifty fifty. So when you tip it's like right now in the election season, right? You know, you tip one reason, it's one state, the whole election. Okay, all based on your vote. Okay. But it is important, right? Because other oilos, Yes, I'm sorry, I should have read that in the wrong given Yes, you can bring the whole world down with you. I want to get back to that, but let's just finish to the Mishnah first. Even if somebody is righteous their whole day, and he rebels in his last day, he loses all the good stuff. The righteous. Will not save him on the day of his sin. Okay, Rashi, Even a Rasha at the last moment, he does Shuvah. It's not remembered for him. as wicked deeds. The wickedness he will he will not stumble over it if he returns from his evil deeds. So, so now the Gemara says, well, well, I don't know. The Gemara says anyway. So, so the Gemara is bothered right Cause, and I'm bothered because you would say Tshuva we get we want to say that Tshuva is always there to, uh, to redeem you at the end although you could still ask how does it how does it help for all the lives you grew in we, okay right exactly but let's at least between sins so against God you want to think that Tshuva can help you you know can ultimately Tshuva that's the power of Tshuva but you would like to think that if somebody did righteous deeds their whole lives even if at the very, very last that day they rebelled against God that they, that they still Still have the righteous deeds that they've done right you wouldn't think that it destroys everything so that's the Gemara's question the Gemara says this righteous person that rebelled on his last day let him at least be like 50-50 I mean he's got 90 years of, right, of good deeds right what is it this last day mm-hmm. so that makes him a wicked person you're right we say it becomes you lose all the earlier credit if on that last day you sort of say why did I spend my entire your life, being such a good person, it never paid, I should have just had a life of pleasure, etc. So in that case, that's like the opposite <coughs> of tshuva, if you think about it, chuva is because you regret and therefore your thought retroactively undoes the past, right? So here, you know, the, you know, so here, your thought about you regret the good deeds undoes it. But again, the question about this, the same way the question about the tshuva, is, but well, what about all the people you helped? What about all the Torah you taught, right? What about all of that? So personally, you know, fine. You know, maybe as a person now, you're a wicked person because you do not, you regret it all. You know, but how about the deeds? The deeds will still have their real effect. You know, it's the same question with tshuva, and I don't really have a good answer to that. Um, of course, it reminds me of that joke, which I can't tell because we don't have enough time. Okay, I'll tell. One quick sentence: The guy's it his whole life. Last day, he's you know 100 years old. He's dying in bed. He's in the hospital. He calls for a priest. So the priest comes in. He says, "He says I want to convert." He says, "You want to convert?" He says you, you know, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, ra- uh, ra- you know, uh, well, Rabbi Frank? You've been a righteous person your whole life. You, you know, you know, you've done Torah and mitzvahs and everything. He says, you know, whatever. It goes on and on. You know, why is it that now, 100 years? old, you are and your are why do you want to convert? It says, better one of them should die. <laughs> 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 okay, I don't know if I should have told that. Anyway, um, anyway, okay, so, I want to say something, though, about the Mechsa, Mechsa and the Mechsa Zuchuyot, and I'm only slightly kidding about its relevance, you know, in terms of, like, an election season, right? Didn't they say that John Kennedy won only because of one extra vote in each county in California? Like, if you do the math, if there, would one vote had gone the other way in every county in California you would have lost California and lost the election. Okay? So, and so people say like, again, I'm using the voting model. Like, well, what, what difference does my one vote make? Right? But if everybody thought that way, right, then, you know, whatever. You know, the point is that, yes, you know, your one vote can tip scales and make difference especially if everybody acts in that way. Thinking in those terms, right, if you think in the big picture, it's like, what difference is it going to make? And therefore, you're not motivated to do the right thing and to go out and vote. Right? So, similarly, You know, if thinking that always, like, I am half righteous and half meritorious, otherwise people will, like, say, yeah, you know, I've done so many of theirs in my life. What difference is it going to make? Or they'll say the opposite. You know, I got a lot of credit to my name. I spend a lot of time doing mitzvahs or whatever. I don't have to push myself to do another mitzvah, right? So, sort of, if you're able to really see yourself in this way, it really is a constant spur in recognizing the consequence and the weight still of every good deed and of every bad deed. And, you know, some sometimes also thinking about the world like people that are activists for change it's like what difference is it going to make if I go ahead and I buy organic uh, eggs like that's going to change the reality right of course if everybody said that then nothing would change right but if a lot of individuals sort of see that oh no the world's 50-50 and like this little act might tip the scales if, you know if you enough people do that enough times or whatever real things really can change so it's a very powerful way of thinking and it really taps into a psychology that often leads to complacency all right, let's try to see if we can do in the next four minutes. I don't know, maybe people give me a few extra minutes so we yeah, can finish. Okay. Last Mishnah. Kol b'mikro, b'derek Again, the call. Anybody, but now we're talking about people, people who do mitzvot. So anybody who, who is, is, like, you know, connected to, to, to who learns Torah, Mishnah and Decher, presumably like a par- parnasa no, like engaged der- in der- no, 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 engaged in a profession in some type of a way of you know, of uh, some productive act labor. Does not sin quickly. I think it's interesting to note the three, Mikra and Mishnah, right, because I think the point is you could just say it means that engaged in Torah study, but it does mention them different, as different things. And I think that like Mikra might be Mishnah is like Halacha. You know, Mishnah was, to quote Halivni again, like apodictic teaching. Teachings. It's true there are debates, right? But it's bottom line, right? It's sort of telling you here's what you do and so on. That's how you live your life. Okay? That's sort of like more more halacha. Mikra is connecting you to God, right? Mikra is sort of like, you know, the religious connection. So if you have this sort of like religious engagement and this halachic engagement and you actually are like not, you know, are work in the real world because work, you know, hopefully keeps you away from sin, but it also, you know, makes you sort of, um, you know, sort of like uh, uh, appreciate uh, uh, the, um, uh, you know, what is it it's, it's anyway whatever I can't go now to it anyway. anyway so if you're both connected in a world of learning but you're also connected enough to the real world right so then that does not lead to sin okay and the three you know the three twisted cord will not break easily That's if you're not in presumably any of these you're not really part of settled society you're not connected to God to Torah to Allah to, in making the world a better place. So um, so therefore, anyway, you're on the outskirts. a Tzadok. Why are righteous people compared to a tree? Now they're compared to a certain type of a tree. The tree is sort of planted in a pure place. And a little bit of the tree sticks into a bad place, a place of Tzuma. So you cut the branch that's sticking into the bad place. It all stands in the good place. God brings the punishment to tzadikim in this world or uh, suffering today. She so they re- so they are able to get to the real place where they belong. They're really tzadikim are really planted in Olam Haba, in a place of Torah and mitzvot. That's where they belong. Anything that moves into the other zone gets cut away, so they suffer a little for that. To cut it off, your beginning will be painful, And in the end, very successful. Um, what do they compare to? a tree that's fully standing in a place of Tum'ah and the little branch is going into a place of a good place but their basic anchoring and their roots are in the bad place or in Gehenna and wickedness so therefore the little bit that goes into the wrong place that has to be cut away that not, does not reflect their essence so once you cut that branch they get back to where they really believe. Belong. God gives them goodness in this world today. To in order to bring them to the lowest levels of Gehenna. So you might think that's unjust, and he's telling you it's not unjust. It's just a restoring them to where they really belong. It looks good, but in the end, it ends to death. So that really has nothing to do with this, this Mishnah. That probably really belonged to the previous, you know, was connected to the previous Mishnah. Okay, now we really turn to this. Mishnah about, this Mishnah which talks about, you know, Mikra, Mishnah, Derech, Eret, about which connects in a way, learning and doing, although Derech, Eret is not exactly doing Mitzvot, but still learning and doing, and now we get, I'm so sad that we already have, so we've run out of time, but we get to what is like such a big theological, practical question, so let's take a look, maybe we can do it tomorrow, yeah, you know what, even though it would be nice to finish the parak, I think we're going to stop here and we'll do this tomorrow.